0: But last week we, um, we began a talk around a subject and we began on this journey around the topic of anxiety. And we started this multi-point check to really discover in our life, answering the question, why do I feel anxious? And we were observing the text in David and, and observing his life and looking at his life through the, the lens of Psalm 139, the, the famous Psalm that he wrote. And while observing the text, we see where David begins to take responsibility for his own anxiety. Because we've come to discover that nothing in our life will change until we do. That there is a thing that must be changed on the inside of us ever way before something will change on the outside. To understand that we cannot go through life blaming our anxiety and our worry and our fears and our doubts and answering them with someone else's name on the other side of it. We can't answer that with a situation that we're facing. What we begin to see is that David was realizing that it wasn't the external factors that were causing his anxious thoughts. It was actually his thought process. It's not what's happening that is creating anxiety, it's the way that I'm thinking about it, in other words. So we began this multi-point check and we began to discover the first two things, which was the first one was we needed to check our intake. We also discovered that we needed to check our imbalance and in order to fully understand that, I'm not gonna re-preach all that, you gotta go watch last week's sermons to fully understand, but, but I want us to read the text again in Psalm 139 and why don't you stand in honor of God's word as we read it again today. You might as well just stand until I read every day, every Sunday, unless you want to get your squats in. Psalm 139, verse 17. Such a famous psalm. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where where I'd account them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Do we have those thoughts about God? That we couldn't even count the grains of sand enough. When I am awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak to you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who rebel against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. David's getting a little intense. And then again, this is where we see the shift. And David begins to pray probably one of the most dangerous prayers you could ever pray. A dangerous prayer. He says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And it gets a little even more dangerous. See if there is anything offensive in me. God, if there's something ugly on the inside, I want you to call me out. That's what David's saying. If there's something that's not right, if my perspective is wrong, if if the way I feel about that person is wrong, if I've got something that is rooted, I want you to show me. And he says, lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to continue my message today, but my title is a little different, and it's really this. But really... It ain't nothing but a thing. Last week it was, it ain't nothing but a thing. But I want to confirm again, but really, it ain't nothing but a thing. Why don't you tell your neighbor say, it ain't nothing but a thing. You got to have a little southern twang when you say it. It's not thing. It's thing. You got to have that twang. Father, we thank you again for today. We thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that just like your word says, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. We pray, Lord, that it would cut through our life today and show us who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever struggled to make a decision in your life? (laughs) Like having a really difficult time on Deciding this or that. Anybody ever had a problem doing that? Maybe you had that today on what to wear when you came to church. <laughs> I did. I, I was actually standing in my closet last night. I try to pick, I try to eliminate any barrier of confusion or frustration on a Saturday evening so that way when I wake up, I can actually love my kids and, and be okay and not stress out and, you know, and have all the things go on that can go on. I want to eliminate any other decision-making process And I was standing in my closet. I don't know. It was probably 10 minutes. My closet's not big, but I do have a lot of clothes because I just do. Um, I was standing there, though, and finally Kendall comes in, and she's like, you going to pick one? (laughs) Like, I've been standing in there for a while. But but I I, I seem to have sometimes this problem with indecision, making a hard – that's a hard time. And my oldest son, Chandler, he has the hardest time making a decision on anything, anything. He's eight and a half years old. He's closer to nine. Now he'd be nine in October. Chandler is, I, I love him, but he has a hard time even in the morning. I'll wake up and I'm like, which one do you want? Do you want cereal? Do you want oatmeal? Like both of them are in a bowl. Which one would you like? And he's like, uh, do you want Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich? Or do you want Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets? Like which one do you want? It's really not that hard. Both of them are chicken. Like one's just bigger and it has bread with it. Like it's really not... That difficult of a decision. Do you want to ride your scooter on the family walk or do you want to ride your bike? Like, it's not that hard. You're going to have some form of exercise either way. Do you want to wear your red shirt today or do you want to wear the blue shirt? And he's like, I don't know. What I've discovered is he has this thing called FOMO. Anybody know what FOMO is? Some of y'all the older generation is like, FOMO, what's that? It is an acronym for the for fear of missing out, FOMO. And he has a problem with if I well if I pick that one, then I won't get to have this one. Yes. If I pick the red donut at Shipley's, I won't get the pink donut. Then just get that one next time. It's okay. I mean, this happens all the time with him, and like just the other day, I was arguing with him, and and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Just pick something!" and 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 I sat down and I pushed him and I argued him, not physically, but like I was like pushing him to make a decision. I'm like, "Just pick one, pick one now, and you can pick the next one next time. Like it's okay, but." But I argue with them about making a decision, and when every time I do this, I feel like I jump in a time capsule, and I go back to when I was eight years old at this gas station right up the road, literally, with my brother and my friend already in the car, and I'm still sitting in the convenience store, candy aisle, trying to determine whether or not I want shock tarts or now and laters. This is real story. It's a real problem that I've had. Every day. Now or later it is happening while I'm arguing with my son and I'm pushing him to make a decision. What I have found that just like myself or just like Chandler, if you don't know what you want before the decision needs to be made, that when it comes time to make the decision, you'll find your space in a constant. You'll find yourself in a constant space of indecision. And you see indecision. Is a prison. Yeah, I bet you there's many people in this room right now that you need to make a decision right now, but you've been procrastinating. How many you've been needing to make a decision? Wives are elbowing their husbands already. You've been needing to make a decision. Right. Go on. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed about it. Like like you've been procrastinating. You need to make some decisions. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's with your your family. You need to make it. Well, like you're like, well, what about this? If I can't make the decision because what about this or what about that? Or what about this person? And what about that person? Just make a decision. We need to just make a decision. Like I want you this week. Okay, we're going to extend a challenge. I'm going to extend a challenge to you. I want you this week before Wednesday, before the clock actually strikes 11:59 on Wednesday night, PM. I want you to go away and make three decisions this week. Just make them. Just make the decision. Turn to your turn to the person and you. Say, just make the decision. And if you're watching this on a midweek service sometime in like Tuesday, guess what? You're running out of time. You're short on time. Till the clock is counting. I want you to pick the D-Day and you're all those procrastinators that think you're thorough. Mm-hmm. We know who you is. I want you to make three decisions this week. I want you just to set aside time, go drink four cups of coffee and a Red Bull and numb yourself of any logical thinking and just go make the decision. Just go make it, make the decision. And if you make a dumb one, apologize and recalibrate. Cause I think some of us need to just make a decision. We sit and we wait and you've been dating her for seven and a half years. When are you going to figure out whether she's it or not? Either do it or get out of the way. Oh, I'm preaching now. Somebody going to get a ring this week. <laughs> Somebody's getting a diamond. Either do it or don't buy it or don't sell it or don't like you could always come back. You can always move again. You, you can, you can always purchase another one at some point, like do it or don't. You see, we like to make up these things all the time that, that give us opportunities for our anxiety. You know, what we call them options. We, we make it up all the time, like, like all this stuff, and really all it is is opportunities for anxiety, and we like to call them options. We think, oh, well, I just want options. I don't know if it was just growing up in the 90s, that, but, but did, when you grew up in the 90s, all the people that were, that, we, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have Hulu and, and TV on demand and DVR. We didn't have, a, I was born in the 80s, so I can talk about this. All the 2000s and 2010s that you had all this stuff, you don't know what I'm talking about. You never had to time out them puppies when, when you needed to go to the bathroom or get a snack and you had to time it out for the one minute and 37 second commercial. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When it hit the commercial, you couldn't hit pause. Y'all know you got to run, you're hurling, you were, became a track star. Y'all I'm a us. So you a track star. Like You were going. You had to go grab your snack. You had to go to the bathroom and you had to get back on the couch and just in time and boom, the show would kick back on. But I don't know what it is, but you you had to time them things out today. Our kids, they they don't have a clue. Even some young adults, they don't know the half of it. They've never. And truthfully, it's crazy. and, And to be honest, it's killing us. We've got all these options. Too many options. Now, I'll tell you, I love options. You know, I was watching, again, I was reminded of the movie Radio, and we see that, do you want apple pie, you want blackberry pie, and he goes, I want both. My staff will tell you, when they bring things, I ask, well, why can't I have both? Well, you wanna do this, or you wanna do this? Why not both? I like options, and they will tell you a lot of times, I'm gonna say, why can't I have both? Because options are great, I'm glad we have options, but the truth is, too many options can create anxiety. I was doing this not too long ago. I was coming into work. I was, I was looking over my lists and, and the things that I had to do and I, I felt unsettled. I felt like I couldn't make a decision. I was going through everything and I found myself being very indecisive on everything. Everybody would ask me something I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll look into it. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll call them later. I have a, a thing where if you call me and you don't leave a voicemail, I'll never call you back because it wasn't important enough for you to leave a voicemail then it's not important enough for me to call you back. I'm sorry, that's just me. Text me. I was like, I'll follow up with them soon or I'll send that email later and, and I'll do this. And, and I was, as I was sitting there at this time that was happening several, several seasons in my life ago, I, I was just sitting there thinking about it. and It was like God was saying, you're not going to review that. You're not going to talk to them later. You're not. You're just waiting for it to come around again. Just to, oh, when it shows back up, you'll deal with it. And it was becoming the way that I was handling things. Indecision. I was being indecisive. So, you know what I did? I committed in that moment to make three decisions. I was like, I'm gonna make three decisions. And let me tell you, I made those three decisions and it felt like I had accomplished the entire world. I was like, are you kidding me? And you know what, you know what decisions I made? I walked into that those meetings that day and, and every one of them started with N and ended with O. I just walked in and I said, no. Like, and it felt so good. Why don't we just try that? I want you to just to say no, real loud. One, two, three. No. That felt good, didn't it? Now, let me tell you, this only works if you're living a life with integrity. Because sometimes your anxiety is a result of compromise in your integrity. You've got to understand that it's kind of hard to have a peaceful heart when you're hiding secrets and you feel like a hypocrite. It's it's kind of hard to have a peaceful heart when you're having to hope that your wife doesn't check your phone on certain messages you have. It's kind of hard to have a peaceful heart when you've got three Snapchats and the one that your parents think is your real Snapchat is really a decoy. And now you're asking God to give you peace. We just went to summer camp. We going all in. Y'all just thought y'all felt it there. See, when there are multiple needs that I have to manage for every situation, it's kind of hard to pray the panic away when my own lifestyle is creating it. It's hard to when I'm trying to figure out what masks to wear to church so that no one will see really into my situation at home. When there's the the work me, there's the after work me, there's the Friday night me, then there's the Sunday at 915 me. It's kind of hard to have peace when my foundation is cracked. It's kind of hard to have peace when I don't know which one to send out. And if I send the wrong one out, what will they think? It's hard to manage all these different kinds of needs because I might send out the wrong person at the wrong time. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sent out the wrong person at, at the wrong time? I, I've, it's kind of funny in, in my life, like being a pastor, you know, people will tell you, you know, if, if or I'll just say this, if, if I were to send myself out, it's, it's hard to ask God to bless a life that is divided in so many different directions. Now, what I mean by this is I don't mean that you have to interact with every person all the same. That's not what I'm saying. For instance, if we were in Christopher's World Grill, grill right now, I would not be talking to you the way that I talk in this microphone. I'd get kicked out. I'd have to modulate. We'd have to talk on a lower level. It's a little bit. That classy of a restaurant, I'd have to speak at a certain tone. You know, you know, people would say, you know, you, you know who you are on stage needs to be who you are in public. Honestly, for me, that would probably be obnoxious. Imagine at the football game, touch somebody. They'd be like, what? Like, what do you mean? Touch your neighbor and tell them something like that would be weird that touch who? Why are we touching? That'd be scandalous. Like it would it would be weird. But what I'm saying is that although you might bring a different approach to different situations, the essential nature of who you are should remain unchanged in every encounter. So I shouldn't be a certain way for my family and they watch me preach and they go, who is that? I shouldn't I shouldn't be someone different in that manner. It should be like a continual continuation. Somebody shouldn't see you on the TV program that airs every Sunday morning or watch you on social media and our church thing and say, hey, I saw you going to that church and you said amen on there. But every time you come into work, you say some other words. And it's costing you your peace. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm telling you that you might be anxious sometimes because you're trying to manage so many different versions of you. And if you would just bring them all together and just be honest before God and just ask him, search me. God. know my heart. You would just ask him what David did. If there is a way in me that is wrong, God, I want you to show me if there is an offensive way in my heart, God, I want you to reveal it. To me, God, help me align my life with what you made me to be so that I can be the real me. And I don't want to be all these other masks. I want to be the highest version of me, the called me, the chosen me, the secure me, the stable me. Let me tell you, you don't have to be anybody else but the real you that God created you to be. But let me also say this. But in order to be the real you, you must understand that a lot of times your version of you many times is different than God's version. Because all these layers of stuff, all that anger, all that confusion, that's not the real you. Not in Christ. No, no. The real you is what David is trying to get to the bottom of. He's trying to show you here in this text. He said, search me, God, God, beneath the surface of what the situation is. I'm anxious because of my money. I'm anxious because of my, my my health. I'm anxious because of my mom. No, 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 no. Those may be triggers, but the truth is that God can make your heart transcend through any situation. This is what the New Testament preaches, that the peace of God will actually pass all understanding in your life. That if you will guard your heart, your whole life can be changed. So sometimes I've gotta to learn to check my indecision, but also sometimes gotta to learn to check my intention. I want you to write that down. Check your intention. You see, sometimes I can reduce my anxiety by just shifting my intention. Well, why didn't she speak to me? Why didn't you speak to her? When she came in, she didn't say nothing to me. Well, why didn't you say nothing to her? Now, looking at somebody right now, it's like, you just said that last night. We walked in that party, and she didn't say nothing to you, and you were looking over here, had your eyes all fluttering and telling me all this stuff. You see, you can shift your intention in any interaction, and immediately when you do, when you choose to step out of the center of your own world and and know that it ain't really all about you, your whole life will change. You shift from a perspective of it's all about me to how can I serve, your life will forever be changed you've got to get out of the middle and see from God's point of view, saying the prayer, search me, God. Am I anxious because of the rhythms of life? Okay, well, then I'll get through it at some point, then fine, but am I creating more waves than necessary because my eyes are not focused on Jesus? And I have found in my own life that my anxiety or worry a lot of times is over things that aren't even real. They're just things. Have you ever noticed that? Like when it all comes down to it, when everything kind of settles and the dust all fell, it really was not even that real. And a lot of it is in this sacred place that God has given us by which he shows us who he is. It's this sacred space called your imagination. That's another one, you gotta check your imagination. Because it's time that you reclaim your imagination. It's, I want you to take back the, this valuable asset that God gave you. I want you to take back the place where you used to be playful and now you're all stressed out and panicked. That place where you used to just make up games when you were a little kid. I want you to get back that childlike faith again. You need to reclaim your imagination. You see, the devil wants to turn the place that was meant for a playground where you can enjoy God and he wants to turn it into a battlefield where you can't even feel him and you can't even experience him. You see, when the enemy comes after your destiny, his first step is to set up a stronghold in your imagination. The enemy wants to take it from you where where you can't stand to be alone. And every, every time you, you go to think, you worry so much about what might happen that you can't even worship God. We spend 25 minutes every Sunday morning and you're worried about so much other stuff that you can't even worship God because the devil has completely hijacked your imagination. So now you can't worship because you're worried and it's time that you recapture your imagination today to where you can feel free again. To where you can dream about something again, to where you can just think and think those crazy out of the world thoughts that the crazy dreams to where you can just write again to where you can just be like a kid, just walking around singing off tune, making up your own songs. You used to do that. What happened? I watched my daughter, three and a half years old, just walk through the house, making up songs. And I begin to think, when, where did, where did that go in me? Where I could just walk and not have a care and God just say, God, you're in control and allow my imagination to wonder in the fullness of who God is, the sacred place that I need to protect, because if the enemy wants to take me out, that's where it's going to be. And I believe some of you need to tell the devil today to get your hands off of God's property. You need to get your hands off of God's property. Your imagination is God's house. Your imagination was purchased by the blood of Christ. You've got dreams to dream. You've got visions to see. You've got a future to imagine. Let me just say this. Here's the good news. If you're good at worrying then you'll be great at worship. Because it's all the same in the same imagination, it just serves the opposite purpose. Think about that. God is saying that you need to reverse the cycle of the way that you're thinking about things. You need to reverse the cycle so when you wake up in the morning, you stop checking the fear cast. The fear cast. Stop waking up in the morning thinking about how every meeting you walk into is going to go wrong and that you don't have anything clean to wear and you already wore that on Tuesday. I promise you, nobody's keeping a spreadsheet of your shoes. Nobody really cares. Just put it back on and walk into that next meeting and expect God to see the goodness of the Lord and just go. Just make the decision. Just, Just get out and go. David said in earlier in the scripture, he said, if I take the winds of morning or dwell on the outermost part of the sea, watch this. He goes, even your hand will lead me and your right hand will not hold me fast. Basically, God, you are with me no matter what. You're with me no matter where I go, because God is watching over you. He's looking into me. I didn't I didn't check the fear cast this week. I checked the faith cast. I know it's corny, but it'll drive back depression. You need to learn to check the faith cast because God has been too good for you to stay anxious. God has been too good for you to stay worried. God has been too good for you to live by fear and doubt and anxiety. It's time you check the faith cast. Why don't you stand with me as I do this last one so I can close? Why do I feel anxious? I need to check my intake. I need to check my imbalance. What am I giving weight to? I need to check my indecision. I need to check my intention. I need to check my imagination. Let me see the enemy wants to fight you. And the final one is isolation. Why do I feel anxious? I think the answer to that question can often be found right in the middle of the very word itself. I was looking at the word this week and I was thinking, why why should I feel discouraged? Why do the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely when Jesus is my portion, a constant friend, when he is watching over my life? David says in in the psalm, he says, you were there for me in my conception. You've been there from every conflict and every season of my life. You see, David wrote this psalm. And although we cannot pinpoint exactly the occasion, many think it was the occasion of his coronation where he became king over the southern and northern kingdoms. But regardless, it really doesn't matter when he wrote it because God was watching over every stage of his process. David says, God, I want you to show me what's really making me anxious. I want you to search me, God. I don't want to spend the rest of my life waiting for my enemies to disappear before I choose to have peace. That's what David was saying. I was looking at this word this week, anxious. I want you to throw it on the screen. So I was studying this word and looking at it a little bit more. I saw something. What's in the very middle of that word? I. Because a lot of times, we're the ones right in the middle of our whole anxiety. You know, another word that, that allows us to get in the way? It's not up here, but it's also the word pride. A lot of times, we're right in the middle of our own pride. We can't get out of the way of our own self. You know, another, another one is the word thing. That thing that you're dealing with, guess what's in the middle of it? I. Are you right in the middle wondering what's going on, but really you're the one causing try to hold your anxiety all together? So I was studying that word, and another part that I saw in this word, what are the last two letters? Us. And I was thinking about what we do in coming to church, you know, for our weekly reminder that we're not the only ones dealing with what we're dealing with. Like when you when you came in, you felt like it was only you. But why don't you touch your neighbor and say, it's not only you. It's not just you. You're not the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. I'm going through it, too. But we came into the presence of God today to be surrounded by like minded people. But let me tell you something. You got to stay surrounded in order to stay at peace. You have to stay surrounded. And I want to challenge you today. I don't want you just to to hear this sermon. I want you to go through it. I want you to regurgitate this sermon. This is why we talk about small groups. This is why we talk about getting and doing life with people. You need to be surrounded by the right people. If the devil can get you in isolation, he will take you out. He will destroy your imagination. He'll change every intention that you have. He'll make your intake be so horrible that you can't even live. He'll change every word and get you off kilter and everything will be out of balance in your life. But I want you to take a moment this week and and just digest these last two weekends. Why do I feel anxious? I want you to digest your intake. I want you to digest your imbalance, but not just digest it. I want you to act on what you heard. You see, there's a difference in coming to church. There's the people that hear it and there's the people that do it. And that's the determination of whether you're going to grow as a believer. A lot of times we can come and say, well, I'm not growing. Are you really applying? Maybe God's trying to remind you of something that you thought you already knew, but you really didn't know. And he's trying to tell you something that you thought you knew, but he's trying to say, get through your thick skull to remind you, your life is not all about you. It's time that we get ourselves that word anxious. It's time that we get ourselves out of the middle of it. And realize we need to look at it from God's point of view. And I believe that this week that God is going to show you the decisions that you need to make and how to make them. I believe that he will. Those three decisions you need to make, I believe God's going to show you. If you allow him to say and pray the dangerous prayer, search me, I believe he'll show you. I believe that when you get into his presence and you ingest the pure milk of the word of God and when you ingest the pure air of who he is, that the air of anxiety of the world that's trying to suffocate you will leave. That the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and you will be made just like Jesus made you to be that I declare over you today that regardless of your situation, regardless of your diagnosis, I declare the name of Jesus over it. Father, I pray today. Lord, that we would get ourselves out of the way. I pray today, God, that whatever situation that we find ourselves in, God, before we go to make a decision that we would pray the most dangerous prayer and pray, God, that you would search me. I want everyone just to say that out. Say, search me, God. A dangerous prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. Know my anxious God, if there is something in us that is not pleasing in your sight, God, we pray, Lord, that you would get rid of it. I pray, Lord, that you would shut doors so fast that if it's not a doorway we're supposed to walk through, God, that you would slam it in our face and that we would not try to bar it open over again walking into our own problem, but God, I pray that you would shut the doors on relationships that we don't need, that you would shut the doors on careers that we're not supposed to move to, God, that you would shut the doors on on other decisions that we don't need to be making. A lifestyle, a sinful nature, a way that is not of you, that you would slam those doors in our face and allow us to walk in the doorway that you've set before us. Father, we ask these things. Lead us in the way everlasting. God, we thank you that you watch over us. We thank you, Lord, that you watch us every every step and every part of our process of our life. Search me, God. Search us. Know our heart. With every eye still closed, every head bowed, You know, it's really hard for God to search you when you haven't asked him into your life. It's hard to pray the prayer, search me God, when you haven't invited him into the very heart you're asking him to search. In a room like this or a place online, you might be here today and maybe you haven't allowed Jesus into your heart to lead your life. Maybe you haven't allowed him to come in and make all things new. You've tried to live life on your own. You've tried to figure it out on your own way, but you've come to the realization that this ain't working. Why not today be the day that you hand the keys over to your heart to Jesus? Why not be today... Why not today be the day that you hand your life over to the God who loves you that sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you? That died for your sin and mine, that the shame and the guilt that we can feel, the the pain that we walk through in life, that he actually bore that on a cross. He bore stripes on his back for your healing. Why not today be the day that you say, God, I'm gonna give you my life. I've tried it my own way. And it's not working so well. And let me just say this. If you think it is working well. The scripture even says that he can do far more than you can ever ask or imagine. So if you think your life is good now. Imagine if he had the reins. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says therefore if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. He wants to make you a new creation today. It says that the old has passed away. The old life. The old ways of thinking, the old sinful nature, the old perspective and mentality. That old way has passed away, but it says, behold, all things become new. Jesus wants to make all things new in your life today. If you want to make that decision, to allow him to be Lord and leader of your life, then I want to pray a prayer with you. I'm just going to simply ask today that when I count down from three, that as an outward expression of an inward decision that you would just lift your hand as a sign of faith to say, I want Jesus in my life. Maybe this is for the very first time or maybe you've you've been living for God but you walked away at some point and and now you're coming back. And you're like, God, I need you back in my life. I've tried it my own way. I've gotten distracted. I've let the winds and the waves push me aside. My imbalance is all out of whack. I've been giving weight to the wrong words and the wrong people. And God, I want to give weight to your truth. that's you today when i count down from three i just want you to lift your head every eye closed every head bowed all across this room three two one if that's you just lift him up lift him up lift him up thank you jesus thank you jesus just lift him high he wants to make all things new wants to give you a new future thank you jesus right where you are on the other side of the screen if that's you Can put those hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together out loud where your ears can hear you. And if you've prayed this prayer a million times, or this is your first time today, I want to pray. I want you to pray it with faith inside of you in support of one another. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and allow me to walk the path you've set before me. I put my faith in you today. I put my trust in you today. And I put my hope in you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Make come on church, why don't we celebrate with every single person that made a decision.